Well, good morning. Thank you, Benjamin and worship team for leading us this morning. As Benjamin mentioned, we are going to be in the book of Revelation starting this morning and going for till we finish it or until Jesus comes, whichever one comes first. So if you want to flip there, it should be easy to find. It's the last book in the Bible, so start at the back and work your way forward. As we begin Revelation, as I was thinking about this, uh, it occurred to me that there's going to be different attitudes uh, as we we study it. Some of you are going to be really uh, excited that we're studying the book of Revelation. Revelation is fascinating to you. Uh, For some of you, maybe it's a little too fascinating. Uh, Some of you are going to be intimidated. Uh, Revelation seems like a very odd book with an obscure message that's hard to understand. Some of you might be a little bit skeptical. Revelation seems overall like a book that has uh, relatively little relevance to your life, so why would we spend time on it uh, in our time together on the Lord's Day? The reality is that the book of Revelation uh, can be hard to understand, Uh, but because it is included for us by God's will in God's Word, it can be understood. Or Paul says in Romans 15.4 that everything that was written in former days was written for our instruction, so that through the perseverance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. And this is especially true for the book of Revelation, whereas we're going to see the, the theme of encouragement and perseverance is central to the message of the book. In addition, we, we're going to see just in these first three verses of the book of Revelation that God has specifically said that those who read and listen to and heed what is written in the book of Revelation are blessed by doing so. So we should expect that in studying this book and taking heed of what is written there, we too will receive a blessing from God. Now this morning as we start the series, we're just going to look at the first three verses of the book. I promise we're not going to go three verses at a time through the whole book. We're starting with the first three verses. It's just the prologue to the book. It sets up everything else that comes after it. It's going to give us an opportunity to talk about some of the the background, the big picture things uh, that are going on in Revelation. It's going to help us understand it and study it well as we go. So specifically, we're going to look at uh, first what kind of book Revelation is, it's its genre, and why Revelation was written, its purpose. So we're going to its genre, the kind of book that it is, and its purpose, why it was written. And if we keep those things in mind, it's going to set us up well as we go to study piece by piece in the coming weeks and months. So let's, let's look at Revelation 1, verses 1 to 3. I'll read it for us. Revelation 1. Verses 1 to 3. This is the Word of God. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his bondservants the things which must soon take place. And he sent it and communicated it by his angel to his bondservant John, who testified to the Word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. 
And Father, as we, as we do read and hear your word in the book of Revelation, we pray that you would, by your spirit, enable us to, to take heed to what is written in it. Lord, we would like to see Jesus more clearly. And so, Father, will you reveal him to us as we study together in this book. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So before we talk about the genre and the purpose, just a couple really brief points of background. Whenever we study a book of the Bible, we want to do a little bit of background work. helps us understand what was going on at the time that it was written. Now, the ultimate author of the book of Revelation, of course, is God. But specifically here, we see that God has communicated this revelation through a, a chain. God gives the revelation to Christ, who gives it to his angel, who communicates it to John, and then John is to communicate it to the people of God. So the, the human author of the book of Revelation is John, John the Apostle. John probably writes this book, probably has this vision uh, that, that ultimately becomes this book, uh, towards the end of his life, probably somewhere around A.D. 90 to 95, so end of the first century. It's the last book in the Bible written, and it uh, quite possibly coincides in that timing with a, a rise in state-sponsored persecution uh, in the Roman Empire under the emperor Domitian. Now, that's not certain, but it's possible, and it may form a par part of the, the context of the book as we read about the people of God undergoing persecution, severe persecution. Now, if the Apostle John wrote this book, I found it ironic uh, because one of the first books when somebody becomes a Christian, one of the first books we tell them to read is the Gospel of John because it's so clear. So John wrote the book that we tell people to start with, and he also wrote the book that nobody else wants to read because it's so obscure. So, how is it that John wrote both that book because of its clarity and this book and its obscurity, or at least what appears to us to be its obscurity? So, we want to talk about what kind of book Revelation is. It's a different kind of book than the Gospel of John. It's a different kind of book than really every other book in the Bible. We have to talk about the, the genre. Genre just means type of literature. We, we see this throughout the Bible. We see it in our own lives. Narratives, letters, poetry, parables, law. These are all different types of literature, and they all have slightly different ways in which we, we interpret them. Different rules, different conventions that help us understand what's written there. We kind of intuitively know that we don't read all of these different types of books the same way. And the problem is that Revelation is a very different kind of genre. It's a very different kind of literature we don't have a lot of familiarity with. And so we end up trying to interpret it like we would interpret maybe everything else in the Bible, and then we can end up with some rather creative interpretations that probably don't fit what the author intended. So if we're going to understand Revelation well, we need to understand something about what kind of literature it is. And so we see in the first three verses, I'm going to cheat, it's really the first four verses, we see Revelation actually isn't just one type of literature, it's actually three. 
It's three genres. Revelation is a letter, it's a prophecy, and it's an apocalypse. I know you all want to get to that one. We're going to get there. It's a letter, a prophecy, and an apocalypse. Let's look first. Revelation is a letter. We actually see this uh, in in verse 4. We see it again in verses 9, 10, 11. Verse 4 says, John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace and peace to you. And it's a very common opening for a letter in the ancient world. It sounds very much like Paul's letters or Peter's letters. It's written to these seven churches in Asia Minor, what is now Turkey. You see that in verse 11. So if, if Revelation is a, is a letter, then first and foremost, we have to remember that it's written for a real historical audience and a real historical context. Right? So this is not just something that dropped out of heaven uh, to, to nobody in particular. This is something that's written to specific people who really exist in these churches, and so our interpretation is going to be, it's going to be grounded in that. Second, notice that it was written to be read and heard by churches. It was written to the churches that are in Asia. And so, because Revelation is a letter it means that our interpretation must be grounded in history, right? We need to read it with that in mind, just like we would any other biblical book, like any of Paul's letters or Peter's letters or John's letters. They're all grounded in history. There's, there's an occasion for which they are written, and it's no less true for the book of Revelation. So that means the original readers would have understood that there was something immediate and present of significance for them in what they were reading. And that means that it's possible that some of what we may have thought or been taught that Revelation means doesn't actually fit how it would or could have been understood by the original audience. And so that ought to give us pause as we go about interpreting. It doesn't necessarily mean that there aren't other things that could be understood through, through various means of interpretation, but at least ought to, to cause us to slow down and ask, is it possible that the original readers could have understood this? And then second, Revelation is, is meant to be read and understood by churches. It's, it's not just some obscure, dusty book for only monks and religious elites to read and understand. God, God gave it, we read in verse 1, to show His bondservants the, thing, the things which must soon take place. Bondservants, that just means Christians. God gave the book of Revelation for Christians in churches to read and understand and be encouraged by. Now, how we go about understanding it is one thing, but the fact that it was written for churches, that they might read it and understand it, that's indisputable. So we do well to to read it and seek our best with God's help to understand it. So Revelation is a letter. Revelation is also a prophecy. Now, prophetic literature is a pretty broad category, uh, but we see here at verse verse. Three, John says, blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy. We're more familiar with prophecy than we are, say, with the the next genre. It's called apocalypse. We're more familiar with prophecy. We see a lot of that in the Old Testament. And prophecy generally includes two things. It includes foretelling 
It's proclaiming God's word in the present, and it includes foretelling, predicting God's work in the future. And Revelation contains both of those elements of prophetic writing. So, like we saw with Revelation being a letter, Revelation has something to say about the way God's people should believe and live in the present, right? So, it's not only something that's relegated to the future, it has some kind of present significance for the people of God, but it's also not exclusively about the present, either for the original audience or for us. It also points forward to God's work in the future, and most especially the the consummation of history of the return of Christ, which we see dominates particularly the end of the book of Revelation. So, as we read, we need to be looking for both how the book exhorts readers in the present, as well as how it looks forward to what God is going to do in the future, all right? So, Revelation is a letter, it's a prophecy, and third, it's an apocalypse. This is the one we're all excited about. Revelation is an apocalypse. We see this in the very beginning, the first words of this book, the revelation of Jesus Christ. The Greek word for revelation is apocalypsis, apocalypse. So, literally, those first, that first statement in verse 1 is the apocalypse of Jesus Christ. Now, the word apocalypse can be very easily misunderstood, especially as, as we use it, right? In, in English, in the way that we typically use the word apocalypse, we think uh, catastrophe or, or, or catastrophic events at the end of the world. But for the ancient audience, it, it may not have quite the same negative connotation. The word apocalypse just means unveiling or revealing, thus the revelation of Jesus Christ. Uh, Apocalypse was its own genre of literature. It's a common genre of religious writing for about the 200 uh, years on either side of the birth of Christ. It's very, very common in uh, in Jewish religious writings for these apocalypses as as a genre. There are parts of the Old Testament that are actually written in this style, parts of Isaiah and Ezekiel and Zechariah and Daniel all all have some of the same kind of elements of apocalyptic literature as the the book of Revelation does. So, it's not entirely foreign to us, but I would venture to guess that those are the parts of those books that we tend to maybe scoot past a little bit faster because they're so confusing. So, apocalypse is is its own type of of literature, and, and in the New Testament, Revelation's the only example of it. Uh, rather than, than try to come up with my own definition, I stole one uh, from Tom Schreiner. Tom Schreiner teaches New Testament at Southern Seminary, and this is what he says about apocalyptic literature, an apocalypse. An apocalypse is a supernatural unveiling of what is about to take place, a divine disclosure is given, usually by angels, to some prominent person in which God promises to intervene in human history, destroy evil, and bring His kingdom. Apocalypses are given to encourage and strengthen those who are suffering to persevere and continue in the faith. That's what an apocalypse 
is. Revelation is thus an apocalypse. There's uh, apocalyptic literature has a lot of shared kind of common features. Uh, there's a lot of symbolism, strange, cryptic images, dramatic cosmic events, round, often symbolic numbers. And so as we read, we need to keep in mind that those are common features of this type of book, and we need to learn how to interpret that accordingly. And rather than try to give you all of the, the, the codes for what that means, we'll try to do that as we, as we go and as we hit different things through the book. So there's a lot of symbolism, there's a lot of imagery, a lot of figure of speech, and that, that governs how we interpret it. And apocalyptic literature presents a, a highly schematized God's eye view of history, right? It, it deals with things that are going on in history, but it does so zoomed way out, looking at things in light of God's promises and purposes with a specific view to the end of history and how God is going to, to bring about His kingdom in the age to come. So, uh, apocalyptic literature doesn't just deal only with things that happen in the past or, or only with things that happen in the future. It, it, it deals with this whole sweep of God's working in history, looking at the entire story in light of the ultimate end. And so that helps us see some of the present relevance for Revelation. Because some people would say that Revelation really only tells us about things that happened in the past, and so it's a lot like a historical narrative. Maybe it's significant, but it's only significant because it tells us things that happened in the past and maybe teaches us something about, about that. Others would say that Revelation is really only relevant for things that happen in the future, and so in that way it's like a, a prophecy. And still others would say that Revelation is, is relevant for us in the present, but it's only because we must be living on the brink of those future events that are going to happen, which incidentally is what many generations of Christians have thought from the time of Christ until now. Sometimes we say, we must be living in the end times. People have been saying that for 2,000 years. It's possible we may be wrong. But an apocalypse, we see in Revelation as an apocalypse, Revelation's relevant for us not because we've decided that we must be living in the end times, but because it also addresses the state of God's people in the world across all times, teaching us how to endure in light of the future coming of Christ. So each of these genres adds something different to the way that we're going to go about understanding Revelation. It speaks to the historical situation of the original audience, and so we need to keep that in mind. It looks forward to the future return of Christ, and God, what God's going to do working in the future. We need to keep that in mind. And it addresses the people of God in their own context at every time in between, including ours. So, Revelation is a letter, a prophecy, and an apocalypse. We need to hold those things together if we're going to understand it well. As we begin this study, we need to know more than just what kind of book the genre, we also need to know something about why Revelation was written, its purpose. So having a clear view of Revelation's purpose will help us keep from losing the forest for the trees, 
as we study some of these mysterious and strange images, symbols, and ideas that we find here. So why was Revelation written? Again, I think we see three things in these first three verses that tell us something about why Revelation was written. First, we see in verse 1, Revelation was written to show God's servants what must soon take place. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave Him to show His bondservants the things which must soon take place. Now, we're going to come back in some future sermons and talk about what, what soon means. There can be a lot of questions about that. What does soon mean? Was John wrong? Did it not happen soon? How do we understand what soon means? Or in verse 3 where it says the time is near. We're going to come back. We'll talk about that in, in some other sermons that gets repeated a, a few times. So we're going to come back to that. But a couple of things I want you to observe here. First, Revelation uh, is meant, is, is used by God to show His servants what must soon take place. In order for God to show what must soon take place, God must know what's going to soon take place. Second, in Revelation, God shows His servants not just what will take place, but what must take place. And if it must take place, it's not just because God knows it, it's because God planned it. And this emphasizes the, the limitless knowledge and sovereign power of God. God is not waiting to see what's going to happen, hoping that it's going to turn out all right, hoping the actors in His play follow their lines. That's not how this works. No, God reigns and what happens in the future is not just what will take place, but what must take place because God has willed it. There's a number of times in the book of Revelation where God is simply called Him who sits on the throne. God is sovereign over history, not just at the end, but right now too. So in part, Revelation has the purpose of giving God's people confidence that what they are experiencing is actually a part of God's plan. And that's not just important for how God is going to bring about His purposes on a global or a cosmic scale. That matters for understanding who God is in the details of your own life, too. This revelation was written to show His servants what must soon take place. Second, it's also written so that His servants would heed what is written in it. Verse 3, this blessing, blessed is He who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it. See, contrary to what some would lead you to believe, I don't think Revelation is written primarily to give us this chronological blow-by-blow blow account of the end times so that we can fill out elaborate prophecy charts and debate which current events fit into the book. Revelation was written so that we would heed what is written in it. Those who are blessed are not those who merely read the book or understand the book, but heed what's written there. Heed means more than just know, understand, believe. It means to keep, to pay attention to, to persist in obedience to what is written. 
But in Revelation, the central exhortation that we are called to heed can be found a couple times. Revelation 13, 10, and Revelation 14, 12. Here is a call for the perseverance and faith of the saints. Here is a call for the perseverance of the saints, those who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. The same idea recurs a number of times throughout the book where the same word heed or keep is used. God's people are consistently called to keep my deeds until the end, keep what you have received and heard, keep my word, keep the commandments of God, keep the testimony of Jesus, keep faith in Jesus. Revelation is not first and foremost a chronicle of events, but a call to perseverance. It was not written to make us afraid of what is going to happen, or yet to make us argue about what's going to happen and who's right about it, but to cause us to confidently persevere in the midst of what's already happening and what will happen in the future, whatever and whenever that comes. Revelation is written to show us what will soon take place so that we will heed what is written in it. And then finally, Revelation is written to reveal Jesus. It's those first words of the book, the revelation of Jesus Christ. The central figure in the book of Revelation is not the beast or the false prophet or Satan. The central figure of Revelation is Jesus. The central purpose of Revelation is not to identify the mark of the beast or the Antichrist or the four horsemen, and it's certainly not to get us to argue and divide over those things. Revelation is written to reveal Jesus. And in this book, just in this book, He is the true and faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth, the Alpha and the Omega, the one who was and is and is to come, the Almighty, the first and the last, the living one who was dead and who is alive forevermore, who has the keys of death and Hades, the Son of God who is holy, who is true, who has the key of David, the Amen, the origin of creation, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the root and descendant of David, the Lamb that was slain, the Word of God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the beginning and the end and the bright morning star. Revelation is about Jesus. It's about taking your eyes off of pressures and potentialities and persecutions and pandemics and protests and presidents and politics and pundits and petty arguments and fixing your eyes on Jesus, Him who sits on the throne, the Lamb who was slain, who is worthy to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. So as we study Revelation together, we'll find that it teaches us that, that God is sovereign over all people over all the nations of the earth, indeed over all history. And in the present, God's people will suffer and endure trials. That's part of being a people who belong to God and not to the world, who are loyal to God and not to the world, who follow God and not the world, who worship God and not what is in the world. 
But there is a future vindication coming for God's people and a future judgment upon those who afflict them. When Christ returns, coming on the clouds of heaven, every eye shall see Him and perfect justice will be done. And so Revelation calls God's people to persevere in the present with confidence in God's ultimate victory. I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound like something obscure or irrelevant. Uh, That sounds like something that's absolutely critical for the people of God right now. Just as for the original audience and for past centuries of faithful Christians who have read and heard and heeded the book of Revelation, we too are called and challenged to persevere, looking forward to that time when when Jesus will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and His kingdom will have no end. That's what Revelation is about, and that's as as we go and we study this book together, and I hope we will find more as we as we dig in and we are blessed by God for reading and hearing and understanding and heeding what is written there. Let's pray. Father, we do thank You that You have so revealed Yourself in the person of Your Son, the Lord Jesus. Father, thank You that You have given us Your Word, that we might know You, that we might learn more of You, that we might see the glory of Jesus, that we might have confidence in what what will happen because it is what must happen because You have You have ordained it. Lord, thank you that you are working all things according to the counsel of your will. And Lord, we pray that we would, uh, as we we study this book together, Lord, will you increase our, uh, our vision of Jesus? Will you help us to see him as more glorious, as more blessed, as more worthy of our worship, as more satisfying to our soul? We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.